0: As an adult,
1: having an everyday job feels easier when you have someone that you can depend on. It's a good thing that Globe Prepaid offers Go Plus promos where you can choose the data that you want. And with Go Plus 99 Go Work, accomplishing all your work tasks becomes easier. With a total of 18 gig of data, you can now have 8 gig of all sites to do what you need and 8 gig of data for apps that you love through Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Work promo. On top of that, you also get unlimited texts to all networks valid for 7 days. To register, grab your mobile phones now and head on to their Globe One app, gcash or dial asterisk 143 hashtag on your phone to access apps like Zoom, Facebook Meeting Room, Yahoo Mail, Microsoft Teams, WhatsApp, Viber, and Telegram. Start your working hours with enthusiasm and end with efficiency with Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 Go Work. If you are hunting for a great B2B e-commerce company that offers quick and dependable online marketplace business solutions to improve consumer experience, pay close attention as I am about to tell you my favorite one. Suppose you aim to connect and upgrade your level of technological interaction, both for yourself, your business, and your consumers. In that case, I think now is the right time for you to head on over to a B2B e-commerce company with advancement on platforms that will give you real-time quality services. I'm talking about o Banana Corp because both of you share the same goal. You can expect to have a successful result and a long-term run. So if you and your business are ready to step up to a bigger space, come and sign up and be one of Obanana's merchant partners.
2: If you're in the marketing space, and if you are a executive or a business owner, you need to leverage automation. You need to expand your skills because automation enables a lot of things. The more efficiently you can produce work, the higher you can pay people. So you're more competitive in terms of the hiring market. You get to serve customers in a more standardized and predictable way. It's dependent on human error. Because there's a machine that is producing consistent output, your services are now more standardized and can deliver customer value more consistently. So I would say that this is the feature.
1: And again, good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma podcast. I hope that all of you are safe and healthy from wherever you are watching In the RG Ledesma podcast, what I like to do is I like to interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about their businesses, what are their success secrets, and can we hack those success secrets, how they've innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal or even the next normal environment. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know and drop me a message. I would love to have them here at the show and learn a lot from them. Tonight, very special guest. Uh, we share a lot of things in common. First of all, he's a he's good friend. And we both hail from the same... Uh, we, we were both trained in uh, what people often call um, marketing for Marines company. It's Pro- Procter & Gamble. So we're both alumnus or rather alumni of their brand management and advertising department. And uh, he's also personally helped me grow my own business as well. We have Ken Costales coming up. And Ken Costales is the founder and lead consultant of Monolith Growth Consulting, a performance marketing agency that helps both Shopify and uh, SaaS, or service as uh, so a software business, grow the revenue and their ROI. What Monolith does is that it focuses on helping clients grow its revenue and ROI. The company builds marketing assets for the entire digital customer journey from digital ads and platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Google, TikTok, their landing pages to email marketing. And they track all these data points, which hopefully lead to conversion, which hopefully lead to sales. Ken is also an honoree of the Forbes 30 Under 30 Age of 2019 and Tatler's Asia Generation T in 2020 so again please welcome my good friend ken Costales. ken finally uh welcome to the rj ladesma podcast
2: hi hi thanks for having me here uh it's a pleasure well, to be here
1: well thanks for being here and you know, i have to thank you ken because during the <laughs> the very mm-hmm. challenging times at the start of the pandemic i just have to say i'm very thankful <laughs> to ken because we had to rack our brains really because both of our businesses were <laughs> greatly affected so uh, we had to handhold mm-hmm. each other and, and really thankful for all the help that uh you've you've helped us with in mercato, maybe we can even talk about that as a case study uh, later on of, mm-hmm. of how you helped us grow our business. But in the mm-hmm. meantime, can you know when we say monolith growth consulting, uh pretty it's it's a handful to say. But more importantly, you know, it's a bit difficult for me to explain what monolith growth consulting does. Especially let's say I talked to my dad and let's say he was funding the business. He was saying what is monolith all mm-hmm. about? So how do you explain mm-hmm. to somebody like senior citizen, 77, 78 years old. How do you explain (laughs) to them what exactly this monolith
2: do? Well, that's not easy, Um, (laughs) first of all. Overall, uh, so I think uh, we usually start with the outcomes that many business owners want, uh, which is at the the end of the day, revenue and ROI. So let's say, for example, your current revenue is, let's say, 1 million. We basically help it reach 1.3, 1.6, 2 million via digital marketing. Uh, So that's what we essentially do. But we also do it in a way that ensures sustainable growth for uh the company. And what sustainable growth means in you know in this context is to make sure that any ad spend that you make, let's say for example, one peso on an ad spend, we make sure that there's a return for it. So let's say for example, what's sustainable for a certain business is 10 to 1, I- If you pay one peso, you get 10 to 10 pesos back, then we will set a target for you and do the marketing activities necessary in order to hit the target, and at the same time, grow as well uh, your business uh, on a revenue standpoint.
1: Now, I can explain that to my dad. Now, let's turn around and Mm -hmm. let's say, let's explain this to an investor. Let's say, for example, somebody wanted to invest in Monolith. Monolith. Mm -hmm. What would be your Mm -hmm. elevator pitch to them for for Monolith and why it's a company-worthy investing?
2: Okay, so I think uh, if I'm speaking to investors, so I think what differentiates us, because I think, Whenever investors look at the company, it's like, oh, it's a digital marketing agency. There are like a hundred other digital marketing agencies out there. So I think what differentiates us uh, is two parts. Uh, one is, again, that revenue and ROI orientation. Because again, if you talk to other digital agencies, they're like, oh, we can commit 10 posts, we can commit 20 posts, or we can make two articles. It's not about that. What matters at the end of the day for a client is the results. So... In our case, the way we deliver the results is that it's actually taken from um, what Silicon Valley does, uh, which is this growth management process. And what this growth management process is, or what a growth hacking process is, we iterate on a week-to-week basis. So, in other words, if you've heard of concepts, maybe most investors would know this, like continuous improvement uh, in Toyota, for example. What we do is that we launch an ad, a set of ads. We launch a set of landing pages. We sort of we launch a set of emails. And then every couple of weeks, we iterate based upon what the data is giving us. It might tell us that, oh, for this particular audience, you're only getting 2 to 1 ROI. For another set of audiences, you're getting 10 to 1 ROI. So we iterate that. We find the the aspects, the audiences, the angles, the creatives, which generate the highest ROI. That's how we drive value for our clients, really. So that is one key differentiator, that relentless focus on growth. And I think in terms of the second differentiator as well, is that there are a lot of agencies out there which are more of specialists. They'll they'll specialize in Facebook ads, for example, or they specialize in Google ads or they specialize in uh, email marketing. But again, it's not the point because let's say, for example, a random company would hire an email marketing firm and say, okay, give us 10 emails. Will that actually deliver results? Not necessarily. So again, what matters at the end of the day is that holistic strategy, that holistic approach to marketing. And that's what we offer, and that's what differentiates us from other agencies. And we customize it for each and every client, uh, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because not each and every business is the same. So, just because you can create 10 posts for, let's say, an e commerce store, it will also work then for uh, a B2B business. A B2B business would require a different set of strategies. Maybe they would need a webinar funnel. If it's an e commerce demand, maybe what, may, what makes sense for them is Instagram, especially if they're in the apparel space. So, we actually can customize our growth strategies. For each and every client and then we execute that strategy on route to improve revenue and roi for the client
1: yeah you call yourself a growth consulting and you know and you, you were talking about it a bit mm-hmm. earlier but i was hoping that you could expand on it a bit more now you're mm-hmm. a growth hacker which is interesting because people don't really seem to really you know it, it's a it's a kind of a new concept to, to grasp i i have the there's a book here on growth mm-hmm. hacking that, I, that i've been going through but exactly mm-hmm. what are the principles of, of growth hacking that are applied what 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 makes it different from just you know doing, uh, I guess, regular marketing mm-hmm. or re- regular growth? If, is growth hacking, and what you do, exponential in nature to explode the business?
2: What, what makes it different, growth hacking? There are two key differences. One key difference is the pace of learning, and I'll dive deeper into that later on. And the second key difference is that it's more database. So let's start with the first one, which is the pace of learning. So if we look at, let's say, these large companies, let's say it's P&G, Unilever, etc., they would require maybe about three months to plan out their marketing campaign and they would mm-hmm. use the same ad for like six months or even 12 months. So there's not a lot of learning there because the learning happens on a year-to-year basis. So you launch an ad, you get data from that ad after one year and then you iterate uh, from there. But that doesn't make sense for uh, SME or a startup because exactly, there's a lot exactly. of uncertainties yeah. at a very early stage. Mm-hmm. B&G and Libre have that privilege because they have a lot of context. They can pay for a big research agency to get initial data about the consumer. They can get competitor data, etc. They have like the resources to be able to do that And in order to minimize risk on their end. For again, SMEs, they don't have that luxury. So what is needed on an SME standpoint is to learn as quickly and as often as possible. And in our case, that means every two weeks, we launch a set of ads. After two weeks, we do analysis and then switch it again. Not necessarily switch it entirely, but we'll keep the ones which are working and then change the ones which are not working maybe a certain word or a certain angle is not working maybe a certain creative is not working maybe instead of lifestyle images you should have product focused images etc so in other words so if you look at let's say for example P&G Unilever any any of these big corporations they would learn only once in a given year but for the SMEs that we serve we learn at least you know 20 to 25 times right uh, if we take a look at every couple of weeks uh, in a given 52 week year that's one key difference uh, which is the pace of learning the second key difference is i actually forgot my second point but i think that's a, that's the most important point really which is the pace of learning so we do it more often or we learn more often uh than others really.
1: and having said that again uh, now mm-hmm. ken i i hope you can help me better understand i mean i understand sure. your service but for many people say just for example they might be thinking you know so why can't i just do Facebook boost post ads why why do I need you I mean I mean I mean that's, that's I think that's the first question people will often ask right you know you're an extra budget right you're a value added that I have to pay for before even getting the Facebook boost post ads but you know i I often describe in my own entrepreneur talks that if they need to get you, you have to have a, you know a secret sauce or or you know or a, a value added proposition that nobody else can do that only you can do what's the sort of secret sauce that you deliver versus a people doing it themselves, and B, another company that offers similar services to yours.
2: Let's tackle the first okay, one. So, I, uh, so on the first one, so why not do it in-house? So I always tell them na, please, try to do it in-house. So, <laughs> so normally, what um, I, like, I, I, like I, like I realized down the line is that in terms of like, because I think at the end of the day, if they try, for example, to replicate what we're doing, so literally people can go to the website and they can download any of the assets and learn from the articles that they have uh there right now so i have webinars which actually detail the process of how we're actually doing it so i'm actually very transparent with what we're doing right now in terms of helping our clients grow and because we have clients uh we have about like three clients right now which are venture-funded companies so both are us-based companies um they have tens of millions of revenue and they have an entire marketing team and yet they still hire us. The key barrier here is again, number one, um, the volume of testing uh, that you need to do. And that's not easy if you're a small marketing team or if you're the business owner yourself running the marketing department or running the entire marketing by yourself. It's just Too much work because again, one ad is not enough. You need to test out many different target markets. If we're talking about a client in the supplement space, so let's say for example, they are selling protein shakes, they're selling pre-workout, post-workout. You cannot just focus or look at one target market and then have one creative and then just bank everything on that. You actually need a wide variety of tests. So say for example, if we are hypothetically handling that client, you will test out people who are into CrossFit we would test people who are into marathons. We will test people who are into triathlons. We would test people who are more casual and only work out on the weekend. We will test out people who are, let's say, for example, busy founders and they don't have time to work out and why protein shake makes sense for them. So you would test out that wide variety of target markets. And for each and every target market, we would have two to three angles or unique ad copies for each and every person. So what happens is that uh, on day one, you would have 10 to 15 concurrent creatives at the same time because the key principle that we're exercising here is micro targeting because especially in the digital space the more personalized your message is the more effective it is Mm -hmm. and for all of our clients literally right now we would we currently have about 40 to 50 concurrent ads at the same time and that's because personalized messaging works you can't just have one ad just say that okay this is what our brand's all about that's not enough anymore it might make sense in tv where you can make a compelling story and people love it but in a world wherein the attention span is so short, like you can just really scroll away from a commercial deba. Because before, wala magawa eh. lang doon, you look at the TV, you listen at the radio, right. you're just stuck there, right, for like one minute. But nowadays people just scroll. So it's really important to make sure that the messaging makes people stop their thumbs. Like once they scroll, they stop and actually pay attention to your ad. And in order to make them pay attention, it has to be hyper-personalized to them. So if, for example, they like, uh, let's say Toblerone, I'm going to show them an ad which has Toblerone cake, for example, right? So that level of personalization is really important, especially in a low attention span world, which is what digital is, right? Uh, people can just ignore you at will.
1: But but what's the secret mm-hmm. sauce for you, literally? I mean, did you develop sort of like the methodology which is proprietary to you to be able to to do this in a way that other digital mm-hmm. uh, marketers can because marketers can't rather mm-hmm. know because right now you did right. say that, you know, uh, you're very transparent. You actually say, people look at my website, see if you can download mm-hmm. this and try it out yourself. Mm-hmm. What makes it a bit different? And I, I know because, you know, we're, we're trained the same thing. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your competitive yes. advantage? What do you want? What do you, you Correct. want Correct. to deliver? Oh.
2: Correct. So, so I guess the secret sauce for us is really the automations that we have built in internally, because if another agency, has tried to replicate what they're doing, they cannot. Because like there's a lot of like differentiators within the company. So, first of all, the organization structure is unique in itself. Because if you look at other agencies, they would have Facebook ad specialists, Google ad specialists, etc. We have a role called the growth manager. So that is something that's that is unique for any marketing agency. There are startups right now who kind of entered from let's say outside from Europe or uh, they might come from uh, the US. And they would have the growth manager role. But currently in the agency world, this is currently an in-house role. There isn't any agency out there except for us, which has a growth manager role, an expert growth manager role that is dedicated to think holistically and to develop holistic strategies. It could happen in email, could happen in Facebook, etc. That makes the most sense for your business. So that's one key differentiator. Because for me personally, a good starting point for having a distinct and differentiated strategy is to have a distinct and differentiated organization structure. So if your organization structure is equal to another agency, then you're going to lose overtime. Price battle. Na lang yan. So for us, we're able to charge a premium because in the first place, our organizational structure is unique and it's meant to serve uh, the company. That's one big thing. The second big thing as well is even if they try to copy our organization structure, we currently have internal automations uh, in place wherein it helps optimize automatically the ads. So if, for example... If the robot or the AI internally, or not AI, but uh, more for like a rules-based scanner or a rules-based robot, like if it sees, for example, that the ROI of the client is getting lower. So let's say, for example, it's getting from three to two, you would have an automation in place to automatically pause and turn that on. Because especially for one of our larger clients, uh, we would have 100, 150 ads running at the same time. Can one person handle all of that? The answer is no. So we have automations in place in order to make the job more simple for growth managers and at the same time, allow the agency and the company to produce at a certain volume that no other agency can match. So those are two two key differentiators right now.
0: Do you
1: work more than 8 hours a day with meetings from day and night? Well, Globe Prepaid has got your back. With Globe Prepaid's GoPlus 99 for just 99 pesos, you can now work from Monday to Sunday with ease. Break free from your stress and start working efficiently as you utilize Zoom, Facebook Meeting Room, Yahoo Mail, Microsoft Teams, WhatsApp, Viber, and Telegram for the whole week. With a total of 16 gig of data, you can now have 8GB of all sites to do what you need and 8GB of data for apps that you love through Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Work promo. On top of that, you also get unlimited texts to all networks valid for seven days. To register, grab your mobile phones right now and head on over to their Globe One app, gcash or dial asterisk 143 hashtag on your phone to access apps like Zoom, Facebook Meeting Room, Yahoo Mail, Microsoft Teams, WhatsApp, Viber, and Telegram. With Globe Prepaid, Go Plus 99, and other Go Plus offers, you can now break free and be a boss. Having said that, I, I want to just, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as we just called from Baronyang, baby, sabi niya, so proud of you, Ken. Ba? <laughs> may hatak ka pala dito kayan, may fan club ka pala dito ngayon, So, can yeah. so, just to ask a bit more. Uh, let, let's go into yes. it a bit more. Let's say, for example, in general, uh, people who are doing mm-hmm. online advertising right now, and I know because I've, I've gone through right. the whole methodology together with you for my own businesses, is that mm-hmm. there are certain myth busting mm-hmm. that you have to do. What are the current things that people assume right now with regard to doing online? I guess digital marketing. That they think mm-hmm. works, but really it's it doesn't work, or it's contra to what what it is to actually, or the money they're doing just is just it's just wasted when they do digital marketing. What are these myths that you come across, or certain practices that you've come across which people should start shying away from?
2: Right, because uh, a lot of companies, uh, when they think of like vendors or suppliers, uh, it's very quantity based. So the way they evaluate agencies, or most companies for that matter, is based on quantity. So parang tax firm, for example, na okay, every year you submit taxes on a quarterly basis of so four times. Kapag Facebook, if you post, let's say, 20 times, my magic, right? So it doesn't work that way. Kasi, again, even if it's more outcome-based, let's say, for example, oh, if I get 100 engagements and I get sales, it, it doesn't really work that way. Kasi there are a lot of, you know, questions that need to be asked there. So say, for example, like, are the people who actually buy or or do the people who actually buy from your store are they the types of people who would like and comment? So if, for example, you're selling a 1 million peso, like kitchen, like counter, for example, let's say, you know, you're, you're selling that type of product, your market aren't necessarily the ones who would like uh, engage. Instead, they would be the ones who would join an event go through like a one-hour event uh, in a webinar maybe in partnership with a prominent publication let's say for example Philippine Tatler like you can only access people who can pay 1 million pesos worth of like kitchen stuff through that type of exclusive event so it's not like you can just post 10 stuff and then you get sales immediately so in terms of like the myths that i always see they always evaluate marketing or sales oriented activities in terms of quantity na parang okay if we get 100 engagements, good na, or if we get 10 likes, good na, if you produce 10 articles, good na. It's really more than that. The quality matters way more than the quantity.
1: Maybe now mm-hmm. it might be instructive. Let's go through the whole process. So people understand that, you know, how, how sure. you see digital marketing as a whole. Well, like I, I've worked with you for two different companies, let's say. Maybe we can go through the process. So maybe uh, like Mercato was an outdoor food market at the start, but became like a food startup incubator then there's also the other business which is called um, enter mm-hmm. a very loyal client to ken costales for for us no and we were really uh, we mm-hmm. were really an outsourced business inviting foreign businesses to outsource their businesses to the philippines and like for example for us it was quite a challenge because obviously you know being based here uh it's not a sort of business where you can go out there and do flyering or send massive emails right, right to be able to generate the mm-hmm. content. So. How do you help people like, like when they go to you and they sort of like say, okay, this is what we have. What can you do for us? How do you go through the process of analyzing them?
2: Normally, in terms of the process that we have, uh, we usually have two meetings and the first meeting is always me asking questions. So I would say 90 to 95% of the time, I'm just trying to understand the business model. So I normally segment it into four parts. One is who is your target audience? Uh, like who are you currently serving right now? So starting with, let's say your other company, So we because the other company uh, it's a business registration firm that tries to get foreign entrepreneurs to invest in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So my process uh, with that is to first understand what the target audience is. So while the target audience, quote unquote, is like foreign entrepreneurs, uh, you want to be more granular than that. So when we had a conversation, for example, like what types of foreign entrepreneurs, like, is it really the BPO owners? Is it the KPO owners? Is it the HR head in a BPO? Is it the owner of the BPO? Is it the VP of the BPO? So you actually ask those really granular questions to the Mm -hmm. point that we need to know who you're talking to. right? And over time, we've identified that, okay, we cannot just get foreign bar owners. Uh, We don't want them to invest in Philippines uh, or not necessarily invest in Philippines, but we don't want them necessarily as customers. There's a specific niche that the team wanted, which is specifically BPO companies and in specific countries and in specific states. So we go to that level to really understand who exactly the person is. Like If we're going to pin it to a position, to a role, to a company, how big is the company size, we really figure that out. That's like the first step, which is the target market. Second is based upon your sales calls, what types of messaging resonates with them. So what we would do is that uh, we would first, uh, in, a, in a B2B context, we would interview the salespeople. Or kung there salespeople, we would usually, normally interview the founders or the owners themselves who are doing business development. In lieu of that, we do a lot of research, uh, especially in forums um, and in many industry-focused websites. So usually it's forums, it's usually like exclusive LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups. We try to get a lot of insights there so that we can really understand, number one, what is the problem of the market? And number two, how is the company right now looking to solve that problem for the market? That's number two. And then number three... What current channels are they using right now? Like are they doing it via trade shows? are they doing it via you know some other channel or medium? are they doing Facebook ads, Google, ads, et etc? So I try to really break it down and it's only there when I have that information is when we start to develop an audit. So initial meeting it's more me listening, me, asking a lot of questions, under, understanding the target market, the best angles, the best channels to pursue. And then the second meeting is us just sharing how the plan looks like. So we would compare you versus what is best practice in market. So we would compare, okay, this is what EnterPH is doing. These are what other companies are doing. This is how we can match them. And on top of that, this is how we can do better. So we actually take inventory of all of the activities that your competitors are doing and try to be better than them. Now, if you don't have good competitors or limited competitors or your competitors aren't that good at all, if you're a market leader right now, so you try to abstract it a bit more and try to get learnings from other industries and try to really figure out how to make your own company, strategic, differentiated, and distinct, just like what Monolith is. So we basically made the Monolith distinct and differentiated from the ground up. That's what we essentially do for your business as well. Uh, having said that, I know
1: that Monolith looks at it as a holistic, you know, digital marketing from a holistic perspective. Is it possible for right. you to tell us or if, if it is at least out there? Or Mm -hmm. when do you choose when it's good to have Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or email marketing for a specific Mm -hmm. business? Are there basically generalizations that you know where more or less a certain business needs to be here, more or less it has to be in this digital platform, or it has to be a combination?
2: So what I always say to that is, Wait until you have plateaued and wait until until you're frustrated uh, with the (laughs) organic channels. So I always tell people that because we get some inquiries, uh, let's say they could be e-commerce stores and Mm -hmm. they would have little to no revenue at all. My advice to them always is don't start with ads because ads is very risky if there is limited to no information about what works for your product. Mm -hmm. So what makes the most sense if you are a new e-commerce store, for example, is to do things organically. So go to bazaars, try to post in Facebook groups, try to be more active in Instagram, try to be active in the different hashtags and make comments there. So try by any means necessary to generate sales on an organic basis. I guess the most paid that you can do at that point is to potentially partner with influencers. Influencers shouldn't be that expensive, I would say. So it shouldn't exceed 10,000 and you don't need like uh, someone with 2 million followers to be successful. You can get a lot of success with influencers who have 5,000, 10,000 followers. It actually makes it feel more authentic. Now you're partnering with these, uh, what they would say, uh, micro-influencers. So I would say that do it organically first. And once, the pagod ka na, once you're tired of doing organic yourself, and once you have identified that, okay, after doing a lot of organic marketing, I know which product sells. I know that this type of copy and angle sells. Now we're looking to scale up that is a time when you should start looking at paid media such as Facebook ads or Google ads.
1: Okay, this is really great. I mean, this is like a crash course for many people Mm -hmm. listening about digital (laughs) marketing uh, for the first time. So they get a a whole perspective of that one. But prior to Mm -hmm. this one, I know that your own background was was in in marketing per se. So let me step back now and discuss more about, I guess, your own journey from being a marketing practitioner or executive to Mm -hmm. becoming uh, an entrepreneur. So... Take us take us a bit back more. No, I mean um, you were Procter and Gamble, and I know for many people, like for myself, uh, coming out of college back in the nineties, I mean mm-hmm. that was the company to go to, and if you want to learn about marketing, that was the place to be. And, and you were mm-hmm. actually uh, shipped out to Singapore to work out of there. That for many people, that's a dream job. So, what made you want to mm-hmm. you know uh, jump ship and, and and become an entrepreneur? So give a, give us a bit of perspective and uh, of how how your journey
2: went. So it's not something that I decided when I was in PNG. I decided when I was like eight years old um, that I wanted to start my own company. So it started when I was really, really young, really. Um, wherein and it's a weird young story because uh, I think because I remember two things when I was like really young. Uh, I think the first story was I remember I think browsing through like People Magazine or Time Magazine. I'm not sure, but it's basically like 100 people. Like I think it's like 100 richest people or something. And I was, like, flipping through it. And then, walang Filipino. So, so, for me, in my naive eight-year-old self, I was like, oh, it would be nice if merong, you know, I think meron na siguro. But I, I remember feeling na parang, it would be nice if there was a Filipino here. And then, kung wala, maybe ako na lang siguro. So, so that was, wow. like, my thinking when All I was, right. like, eight years old. Yeah. And then, another instance or another story was that uh, I think I was mga 10 or 11 na siguro at that time. Because it's, uh, it's kind of, like, medyo... Vain. Well, I guess it's a reason. Because I noticed na there were some families, I think, who kind of traveled a lot and stuff. Uh, so it's just an observation that I had. And I remember parang hearing the word like, negosyo or business, negosyante, etc. So when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I was like, oh, so what's that? So, so, so I think that's like the seed, um, essentially, when I was like really, really young and then over time when i was like 13 14 years old i get exposed to books that, such as i think that time was rich dad poor dad the book eh? so i actually right. like went through that when i was like really young i don't really come from an entrepreneurial family so it's like very exotic for us like it's a terrible idea to leave your nice paying job in singapore in png of all things and then leave to start your own company that is like crazy but for me the way i thought about it was that it's always been part of the plan you tipong... You know, I, I work hard, uh, I want to get a decent job, pa then earn good salary and then use the savings, uh, to start my own company. So, parang, for me, I do understand that parang, you know, P&G is a destination company for many people. And don't get me wrong, kasi, I love p and I, I think it's one of the best companies out there. It has the perfect here, balance. Here, here, here. Agree.
1: Of, Very much agree. Yeah.
2: you can't go wrong with p really, uh, or Unilever and many of these other large uh, um, consumer goods companies. But for me lang, I made the decision when I was young. Parang, I felt na it was my destiny almost to start my own thing. So parang, for me, it was a matter of time. I remember planning, mga around 28 years old, I'll start my own thing. I actually started at 26. So... So that's pretty much how so you were
1: you were two years ahead of schedule.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was two years ahead of schedule. Yes.
1: I mean the same for uh-huh. here, but uh, my background instead uh-huh. was that it was I was coming from an entrepreneurial family. So it was sort of expected right. that after your, you know uh-huh. after you do your corporate stint or whatever, <laughs> you, it's it's a lot of yeah. learning that you were gaining over there. So you could actually so uh, you, mm-hmm. you could actually put up your own business. Now, having said that, uh-huh. let me go a bit more into you know what was the pain point? that you sort of discovered to say to yourself that, hey, I should put up a company like Mollick. Where did that inspiration or the irritation come from? My presumption to you is that, you know, you're, you were a brand, you were advertising. So you were exposed to the different mm-hmm. types of marketing that P&G was doing. And you said, and you were do, doing something in the digital marketing space for P&G. And that's where you discovered, hey, mm-hmm. this is something I could turn into a business. So tell me a bit more about that.
2: Sure. Um, so when I quit P&G, um, I actually didn't have a business in mind. So I think, Oh, we so
1: you mean you can't? I was like put, testing. Uh, I saw you golden parachute I mean, you this la. wasn't set up. You just, you just said. The cowboy. A yeah. ah, cowboy, it's like, yeah, wow. Just, I'm impressed. Yeah, ah. yeah.
2: Wow. yeah, I was testing some ideas like uh, a year before. Uh, so I think 2014. Like, mga small ideas. And I was doing like some small ad tests. So there's a technique in the startup world wherein you create a web page, you have marketing information on it, tapos merong form. It's only to measure lang parang the interest of an idea. So I actually tried out a whole bunch of different ideas. Nothing really resonated really well. I was also learning how to code that around that time, 2014. Now I really know how to code at this point in time, but I was really <laughs> starting to code that time because I was planning like, uh, to build some sort of software that time. So me being my impatient self, I'm like, okay, I have sufficient savings. And for me, kasi, I had a the deadline then. Because for me, it was important that I should be stable on a business sense before I get married. And I was like, I estimate 35 siguro that time. So I'm like, okay, well, if you're I... Schedule, you're ahead
1: of schedule again, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I move on um, by 26, because I was also like planning for Forbes then at that time, Forbes 30 under 30. So I'm like, okay, so I have a deadline before marriage. i Forbes 30 under 30, I don't want to wait until 28, maybe two years too soon. So let's just try it, right? Because I, I felt na I think my results... In my past employer was pretty strong enough wherein even if it didn't work out, let's say I blew all of my savings, I would have a decent job or a stable job at least. Cause I think my resume was pretty strong. So I would say my parachute then Cause I did have a solid career in my point of view in my in PNG. So I felt it was safe. So talagang like cold. I actually tried out, I think three or four different ideas. So one with like partners didn't work out. And then another one among didn't work out. I was actually, it was actually the point na, it started August 2015. So that's when, around the time that I quit. It was actually around like May 2016 na parang, oh my God, naubusan ako na savings. <laughs> so paubusan na, paubusan na. At that time, I was based in Cebu because I felt na it had the right balance in terms of like having accessible developers and at the same time, very good cost of living. So I thought it was like the perfect balance for me in terms of like cost per living and potential for growth. I was at a point na I think Six months left na lang ata in terms of savings. So it was at that point that I was actually applying na for jobs. Parang fallback lang. So I was applying for jobs na. But at the same time, there was a moment wherein a friend told me na parang, wait, you're doing a lot of this random tech stuff. Because we were doing like some inventory management application for Sari Sari stores. Tapos we sell the data to Nielsen. Because Nielsen has lack of like sars cov data. So yeah, very yeah. nice because, oh, there's a problem, there's a solution, there's a clear so it's house. A very, it's a
1: very PG thing. It's like part of the ecosystem. Yeah, like, Nielsen, yeah Nielsen's got information that you need. Yeah,
2: so yeah. So I had that.
1: Supplier, yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: correct. And there was like this other idea then, uh, parang, uh taxi cabs, uh, merong LED stuff at the top. So parang you sell ad slots uh, from there. Tapos, it's a taxi app then. So, it's actually okay. It did fairly well in Cebu. There were like plenty of users and all that stuff. But the partners and I didn't really work out. But yes, yeah, so I did a lot of things from August 2015 up until May 2016. Whereas, parang, oh my God, parang yung savings was really dwindling na. It's at that point, parang a friend told me na parang, can you background mo marketing, why don't you marketing consulting? So, I'm like, Duh. So, we're like, okay. But, at that time, i a lot push back in people. You know, major long sales process, like I have to talk to the VP and then marketing director, it's gonna take a while, how am I gonna price it, etc. So I like, about excuses that time. But it came to the point na parang we can continue savings mo, you want to start your own company, just do it. Just try something out, and you know, you might like it. So parang, I just had a conversation with myself. And at that point, I was sending cold emails looking to sell my marketing service. So what I did that time was that because growth management tiba, and growth hacking. So I looked for online job postings which had growth manager in it, and to me that indicated that ah they have a demand for growth management or growth hacking. So I emailed the owner, cold email, and said, okay, habang hindi pata filled up yung role na to, why not get a marketing consultant? So it worked. So I got my first few clients uh, off that. Again, what I was selling at that time was also like just focus on the real. Because for me, it's a bit straightforward in a sense that businesses have like two key pains or two key pain points. One is our revenue isn't growing as much or it's plateauing or our cost is growing too fast, right? In two basic problems of any company. And you can pretty much create a service based upon those two principles. But obviously, what's really important is that you have to deliver, right? So, uh, so for me, I can't really do the cost side. It's not really my expertise. I'm not good at supply chain and not good at that and all the type of cost optimization stuff. But what I was really good at, like literally I spent five years on it, was growing businesses and doing marketing that compels users to buy. So I was like, okay, let's just try it out. Um, let's try to learn Facebook ads, Google ads, and let's try to merge what I've learned in PNG with what I've learned in Facebook and Google. I was also part of a startup accelerator than before. So I kind of got in some learnings from there. And I combined it into what monoliths today. So initially, the first couple of clients, mean, one was like an e-commerce store, and the other one was a two-sided marketplace. So it basically linked plastic surgeons with people who want to, you know, who want to get plastic surgery. I think from the get-go, it worked. So it kind of gave a signal to me na, Ken, parang you've been doing like, you know, not so good stuff, not so good stuff, but stuff that you weren't good at for the past, like, one year, right? Trying to figure out something to meet a certain vision that you had. What you're actually good at is marketing. So I was like, okay, so we got one client out of this. So I tried to sell more. So we got two, we got three, four. It got to the point that I had the army of part timers. And then it got to the point that I needed to hire a full time person. And then it got to the point na where I am right now, which is uh, we're about 20 right now plus mga three or four part timers. So it just kind of grew from there. And I just owned it. Talang, okay. Because there's a book, um, which I read, which resonated with me, called Be So Good That I Cannot Ignore You. The thesis is that you don't find passion, but passion finds you. And I think that's what many like young people are kind of torn about. Oh, I should find my passion. I don't know what I like. But the truth is, if you're good enough at something, you'll naturally fall in love with it. And I think that's what happened with marketing, really. Because my background is economics. I never really wanted to venture into marketing. But from the looks of it, parang it's like an arranged marriage. And then I fell in love with marketing over time. And marketing loved me. So I'm like, okay, you loved me first. So I guess I have to love you back then <laughs> since since you've brought so much value na to my life at this point. So so I think that's that's how I got here.
1: <laughs> well, wow, really great. Really interesting story. Uh, and it changes yeah. a lot of things <laughs> how, of how I actually see monolith right now. Uh, what was the point yeah. when you were doing uh, monolith because like for me, I often tell people like, mm-hmm. when you were doing Mercato, how did I know that everything was going to fly or that was it was going to be good? It was a yeah. point that, you know, I was standing in the middle of the market and there were just like mm-hmm. hundreds of people just passing by and, and, and buying stuff. And it's going, yeah, wow, I mean, we, we put this up. I can't believe it. You know, what is mm-hmm. that point for you now? Oh my gosh, this is going to work. It, it's actually going to be sustainable. Yeah. It's going to grow. What is that point for you when it came to model it?
2: I think that point came for me around 2018 to 2019, 2017 and 2018. The way we got our sales was talagang cold na cold, cold emails, ads, uh, puro outbound, outbound ka, Yeah, puro outbound, 100% yeah. outbound. So, I think many agencies start with referrals. Ako opposite ako, talagang hardcore outbound. So, I guess that's why I guess we're a good agency kasi we literally ate our own dog food. in people, outbound. We <laughs> So we So that's uh, what we did 2017-2018. 2018-2019 was like my moment of like, wow, what's going on? Because siya? was eh, na, na 180. Siya, na parang from 100% outbound marketing to 100% referrals almost. So I was parang, Wow, I don't have to sell anymore. I don't have to market anymore. People are referring us, which is crazy. And at that time, then 2017, 2018, almost 100% of our business is foreign. Because for me, I have perception that time na, oh, it's easier to sell abroad because it's more objective. I don't have to do the relationship thing, just sell and then close. But 2018, 2019, no, 180. Siya. So from 100% international clients, I would say 20% lang siya, or 30%. So I was parang Oh, okay. Parang most of our clients are in Philippines. And... I actually didn't do much. Uh, I just did one PR article and it just snowballed down from there. So that was pretty shocking for me. And that's the time that I felt that parang wow, we must be doing something right. Na, people are referring us. And then once we got these referrals, more often than not, uh, we're able to deliver value for our clients. Uh, I would say 80% or more, 80 to 85% of, uh, of new clients would retain our services uh, for the next contract so which wow. is a pretty good number um so yeah that was like way but um, the the moment that woke me up the, wow uh, this is actually like a real real thing and it's really working so we should continue doing it
1: i, I just have, i'm just curious uh-huh. right now how did your folks yeah. feel when you when you resigned from png you know, the cowboy, right? i mean they i mean if you come from parents who are career people they're gonna go what are you crazy right i mean what did your parents think when you were doing that or your family when you when you did that
2: I'm sure they thought I was a bad son, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. So they they definitely disapprove of it. So they felt na it was very risky. But I think it got to the point na, parang they felt na it was something that I was really passionate about. So I think at a certain point they were open to it. I wouldn't say na parang they accepted it or they embraced it. Parents only embrace. Whatever their child is doing, if it's not to their liking, once you get the uh, Forbes 350, so that's the point of <laughs> for, Oh, it's a thing. Okay. So, so yeah. Or once you get you know features in use, that's really the only reason why I do those things. Because it's really to uh, it's really to give like parang real social proof to relatives. Na hindi sanay with the concept na parang you know, do your own thing type of stuff. So it was a very difficult decision. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, it was very difficult for me to kind of not follow what my parents wanted for me especially with a job that a lot of people want right and a lot of people desire and expat-ish pa. Um, because I was in Singapore that time earning Singapore dollars so but for me because I'm more driven by more deeper things but I don't like the idea for example now there's a lot of like brain drain I actually want to build a company na that makes it aspirational for people to stay uh, and that means turning Monolith into a global company. We serve international clients. We have products which sell internationally so that we can charge more than competitive salaries. Um, so, so, parang for me, that's like my end, end game really and to get to that point. So, para for me, it's, it's not just the salary. It's not about, it's not about me. Eh? Uh, parang it's really more about the deeper things which I care about, like reversing brain drain, creating aspirational careers for people that they don't have to go out. And many other reasons, but I actually have so many motivations for wanting to start and continue running a business. Apart from, you know, my eight-year-old dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but the great thing is that you've got a very strong yeah. line now that you've created for yourself, uh, particularly for this business. And yes. I, I find mm-hmm. it pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. But I have mm-hmm. other questions. Let's say right now, mm-hmm. no, um, as, the, as you're growing the company, it was great 2019, 2020, then of course this pandemic mm-hmm. hits us. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Monolith can go to, I mean, to my mind, of course you're a smart guy, but things didn't Mm -hmm. come to you at the start of, you know, when this crisis happened, because I'm sure that at the start, your client, it's not, it's not you, it's the client. They go, I I can't pay right now because I've got no business, right? So Mm -hmm. what did you have to do to Monolith? How did it start off when the crisis hit and bam, what did you guys have to do to pivot the business, to keep it running?
2: So we're definitely affected. I think there's like this perception of oh, digital marketing agency must be booming right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, exactly, no, exactly. Parang, kasi I would say in no March 2020, the business tanked by seventy percent. So, gano kalake yung churn, which is more than understandable, Because there are a lot of businesses na affected that talagang sila zero yung revenue literally uh, because of the lockdowns and you know many other factors. When that happened, uh, in terms of how we pivoted... um, So I think one big change was that... Because usually when when inflection points like this happen, there is a race. Because normally when there's an inflection point, there are new, I would say, ways to market. There are new products, there are new services that emerge. So at that time, what was emerging... At that time, as a new marketing channel, was webinars. So, webinars and many other like moods as well of uh, marketing uh, to clients. But again, just going to the abstract, whenever there's an inflection point, there's always almost a race. So, dapat unahan yan eh? You cannot be like the fifth. Restaurant, for example, not fifth, but uh, let's say you cannot be that the, the two hundredth restaurant to set up a e-commerce store, for example. Like you have to be the first. If you're <inaudible> in March 2020, you April have e-commerce store. So that's the level of pace. So when that happens, you have to think like an entrepreneur again, like clean sheet. So blank slate, yan, rethink everything from scratch and try to solve problems in a new way. So for us, apart from doing new marketing channels, so we did a lot of webinars, we did a lot of partnerships, we actually partnered up together in the early days in order to you know, uh, drive more sales. So we did a lot of that activity. Beyond that, we also expanded as well our services. So apart from agency work, we also look to sell upskilling programs. So to help people transition from an offline focused marketing team to a more now online-based marketing team. We've done quite a number of uh, corporate workshops. So we help uh, a lot of companies upscale either themselves, like business owners themselves, or entire teams. So we expanded to have that business model. And on top of that, we're also... This one's a bit slower, but uh, we think it's working so far. Uh, But what we plan to do in the future is to also launch uh, new software, uh, software products. It was actually in the plan since the start. It just got accelerated because of the pandemic. So right now, the way we're approaching it is that we're solving our own internal problems. So whatever problems that our growth managers are facing, our account managers are facing, what our designers are facing, we solve that through our internal tools. So luckily, I know how to program. So I developed most of the software. We're now at the point that it's stable enough now we can hire more developers, or not hire more developers, but hire full-time developers as part of our team and, and hone that software better. And then over time, we actually plan to extract that software. Because it's huge, it has huge productivity benefits for any marketer. So you plan to extract that and sell it to other agencies or other marketers. So that's going to be our third uh, business model. So apart from like trying to discover new marketing channels in order to help us recover from the pandemic, we also look to expand our range of product service. You can be a bit more diversified as a company because you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. Instead, you want to diversify your products and services, but the mission is still the same. The mission continues to be drive revenue and ROI. But you can achieve that goal through many modalities, right? You can achieve it through service. You can achieve it through education. You can achieve it through software. You can even achieve it through, let's say, for example, coaching, right? So there are actually many methods. What matters at the end of the day is what customer value that you're bringing. And are you actually able to deliver the customer value? So now, apart from agency, we are exploring achieving those outcomes through education, which is the online course plus workshops that we conduct. And also uh, software, which is enabling other marketers to, run, to drive revenue ROI for their companies using our tools. So that's how we're doing. And I think the good news is that we're able to recover pretty fast. So I would say by December, we were pre- well, pretty much recovered December of last year. Yeah. So I think at that point, we're fully recovered now with the, and, and then the client profile is like totally different now. They're like an awesome core set of clients, which includes RJ. <laughs> um, and then, you know, The other, I think, 60 or 70% are like uh, new clients and new faces that we haven't seen before.
1: They say the bigger, the better. And I agree with that. In business, it's either you go wider or you scale up. And for you to reach that extra mile, you must also be constantly on the right place, right time, and right track. It's a good thing o Banana Corp. is interested in finding new ways and new merchant partners to help build business opportunities for small to large-scale businesses. With their key feature benefits, you can tell how equipped and centralized o Banana Corp. is. From helping you attract new potential customers nationwide to providing you with merchant perks like free shipping, o Banana vouchers, discounts, and more. This is a complete package that you and your business will need to go wider or scale up. Hurry up and sign up now to be one of Obanana's merchant partners. All you need to do is head on over to their website and click Start Selling Now. Input both your personal and business details, submit requirements, upload your products, and you are good to go. Go wider and scale up with Openana Corp. Sign up now. Where did the new clients come in from? I'm just interested. I mean, how, and how did you get them during the? How did you get them during the, the new normal?
2: So I was more aggressive with uh, with ads and webinars. So I would say it's mostly webinars uh-huh. and mostly downloadable PDFs or guides. So what you would do is that we would try to figure out. Kumagakaning flavor of the month each month may different. parang mindset So let's say for example from April to July of last year, the flavor of the month. Uh, we don't flavor the month, we flavor of the quarter. Uh, in other words, was What's more webinars? Of figuring out how to pivot. Yeah, it was it was yeah. webinars for webinars. Um, remember. and then after that, uh, the regular webinars didn't work as much. So we tried to differentiate it a bit by partnering with trusted partners. So let's say, for example, we had a lot more joint webinars with Facebook. Facebook, misma. yes, so, yes, that's right. Yeah, so we actually struck a deal, not struck a deal, but uh, we actually partnered with Facebook, which is a very credible source, like literally Facebook uh, themselves. So we so we had webinars with them. We also had webinars as well with uh, Payoneer, uh, with PayPal. So that gave us a lot of credibility, which made our webinars more effective as compared to all of the other webinars that these other guys are doing. Apart from that, we're also doing a lot of thought leadership content that's downloadable. So you cannot access that set of slides other than submitting your details to a form and accessing that. And then once we get the details, we're going to call them up. Not necessarily call them up, but sometimes we would email them and then potentially call them up. And beyond that, I think what also helped us was actually content marketing because we had a lot of like articles uh, which have been running since 2017, 2018. On an SEO point of view, the traffic has yeah. been growing uh, year on year. And we were just getting organic inquiries then uh, from people Now, Oh, I saw your article. Uh, I love it. I wanted to know how we can apply it in our context. I'd love to speak with you. On our website, we have a booking form. You can book me easily. Like my, my calendar is like out there in the wild for the public to use and book. So so that's what we've done. So in a way, from almost 100% referrals, bumalik to Outbound. I would say about 50% Outbound. That's what helped us grow back. Apart from also innovating a bit and offering more ways to serve our customers apart from just agency services.
1: Really great. And over here, we've got a friend commenting from Start Your Own Business Pinoy Facebook account. He says, wow, yeah, no, great job. These are people who want to actually, uh, I guess if you to learn a bit more, please do drop by uh, the Monolith Growth Consulting website over here. And uh, hi as well to Henry Monzones uh, listening into to the show here tonight. I think he set an icon, that's so why we can't see uh, his comment. No? Now, moving forward, uh-huh. on Ken, uh, I'm going to start trying to wrap up this discussion, but just a couple of things I want to ask. No? Uh, particularly mm-hmm. uh, where, from, your, from your viewpoint, what are you seeing as the emerging opportunities uh, that revolve around maybe not just digital marketing, but you know, basically what are you seeing as the opportunities that are emerging in business right now because of where you are? And this doesn't have to be limited to the job that you do, but I guess you're seeing a lot of trends. You're seeing a lot of different things coming out. Where, where can people still become entrepreneurs and take advantage of that, especially in the new normal? What do you see emerging?
2: I would say that there are... Two key trends uh, that I see. I think one key trend is automation. And I think automating knowledge work is an important trend on a business standpoint. Especially in the context wherein, you know, people feel overwhelmed, uh, they feel that there's a lot of work. Uh, I think nowadays more work is experienced by each and every individual more than ever before. Uh, because especially in a recessionary period, there's more pressure to deliver. So I would say that a good opportunity, not only internally, but also on a business standpoint, is to figure out ways to help automate knowledge work. Um, so in our case, internally, what we're doing is that we're looking to automate things such as our reports. So we're trying to automate our reports better, try to get data in a faster and easier manner. We try to automate a lot of like the tasks that we do internally. Because I, I think for us, in the super long term, and when I say super long term, I would say 20 to 30 years from now, AI will take a greater foothold in our lives, uh, more than what you think Mm -hmm. there's AI right now, which can actually write, uh, an entire essay. There's AI right now that can write marketing copy. Not, it's not amazing. It's not the best marketing copy, but the technology it's in its uh, early stages. So there's actually like software right now that you can search for, uh, parang AI marketing copy and it will like produce marketing copy just for you. It's not amazing. It's not good but you know that the technology is coming. So it's important uh, if you're in the services space uh, specifically, you need to anticipate that and you need to start building services of your own that captures that trend and eventually monetize that trend. So that's why right now I'm very into automation. That's why I wanted to learn how to program so that I can take advantage of that one key future trend, which is the automation of knowledge work. That's like a overall trend that I'm seeing. Another trend is, I would say that from what I've seen, in terms of social media, like if you talk about uh, marketing, maybe two or three years ago, it was more concentrated with a few providers, let's say Facebook, uh, for example. But I think in the short to medium term, not short to medium term, but I would say medium term, not necessarily in the short term, it will get more and more fragmented. So right now you see TikTok, you see Clubhouse. You see Instagram. You see all of these other new channels uh, come up. I would say that in the medium term, each social media channel would have its own like core audience, and they would have their own niche. TikTok has has their own thing. Clubhouse is probably best for probably like business owners. I feel because a lot of yeah. the conversations there are more about work, mini conferences, and all that type of stuff. Uh, you see TikTok more of. a... Kind of a fun channel. Um, you see it emerging as well as more of an educational channel as well. So there's some education and entertainment there. Instagram is more about, it's more about status uh, from what I'm seeing, status. And then Facebook is more about uh, keeping connections with your family. So you would see over time, based upon who's staying at a platform, and you can use stereotypes, feel free to use stereotypes, but there's a stereotype for each and every social media channel. So what's going to happen is that before you see Facebook as this mega social media channel, But over time, it's going to get more and more fragmented. And on an agency standpoint and on a business standpoint, it's going to be important for you to understand where you stand or where your business belongs in uh, across this ever-widening social media landscape. So that's what I see. And on an agency standpoint as well, you need to be proficient in more channels than ever before. TikTok is a complete copy of Facebook, in my opinion. So I think you need to need to expand your set. If you're in the marketing space, and if you are an executive or a business owner, you need to leverage automation um, as much as possible. Because automation enables a lot of things. Because eh? the more efficiently you can produce work, the higher you can pay people. So you're more competitive in terms of the hiring market. You get to serve customers in a more standardized and predictable way. are like dependent on human error because there's a machine that is producing consistent output your services now are now more standardized and more and you know can deliver customer value more consistently so i would say that is the future especially with ai you know writing people's own code or wow. AI writing their own copy writing yeah i'm not kidding so you can search for it like github copilot it can produce own, its own code so a level in ai nowadays and i can only imagine 5 to 10 years from now uh, where it's going to go
1: let's say that you know if if you had the time or the bandwidth to do something what opportunities would you pursue uh, if you weren't doing let's say right now um if you if you weren't doing right now monolith because there's some people that are saying oh if i had the if I had the time or you know i, I i'd do this one what what is that for you what would uh. you be doing now if you, if because you, if you, you see it emerging or it's something that's a, that you're passionate about.
2: If I had like a billion pesos or something, in a way, we're doing it right now in a very small way. It's actually the software that we're building. So we want to automate as many things in the marketer's life as much as possible. So we want to simplify the way marketers set up their campaigns. We want to simplify the way they do their ad copy. We want to simplify the way... They do the reporting. So, we want to automate each and every aspect of the marketer's job on a technology standpoint. So, if I had a billion pesos, like I would just pour my money into that. And right now, we're doing it to some degree, but in a more measured and cost effective uh, pace, which doesn't require one billion pesos. So, I'm happy to say now we're in the same road, could be faster, definitely. So extra money would help in that respect. Yeah, that's what that's what I would focus on if I had like unlimited time.
1: And with that, thank you so much, Ken Costales of Monolith mm-hmm. Growth Consulting for your time. For the people who might be interested to patronize your services or try it out or do an inquiry or consult with you, uh, where can they visit?
2: Sure. Uh, they can visit our website. So it's right there at RG's post, but it's called monolithgrowth.com. So M-O-N-O-L-I-T-H-G-R-O-W-T-H.com. So you can visit that. And you know, if you want to chat, uh, feel free to schedule some time there. I have a scheduler there. If you want to check out our past webinars where we talk more on hardcore marketing, we actually have a lot of those in the resources section. So all of the past webinars I've done are available there and if you want to read there's also a lot of like reading content there it's a lot of like wealth of information that uh, that people can digest uh, on our website
1: and again thanks so much Ken Costales this has been RG Desma for the RG Ledesma podcast you can catch us again this coming Thursday so again Ken thanks so much stay safe stay healthy and please make sure to thank you. get vaccinated thanks again guys thank you see you in a bit